Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Aquademia Podcast. I'm Sean O'Loughlin. I'm Justin Grant. And today we got a special episode to you coming at you from the field. We took a trip down to Atlantic Capes to visit some of their facilities down in Massachusetts and Rhode Island, do some filming, record this podcast, and just kind of check out their facilities and how they all work. And we got a chance to sit down with Matt Grolnick and Steve Martz from Atlantic Capes to talk about them becoming the first company in the world to have their full supply chain certified by Best Seafood practices. So it was a cool conversation. I hope you enjoy it. But before we play that, I want to remind everybody to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen so you get all new episodes directly downloaded on your device as soon as they're available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod. If you want to contact us for any reason, do you have topic suggestions? Do you want to be a guest? Do you want to sponsor the podcast? Fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org slash podcast. That's right. And if you wouldn't mind, we would love it if you would take a minute to leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out. We appreciate everybody that has done that. So without any further ado, here's our conversation with Matt and Steve, and we will talk to you at the end. Welcome to the Aquademia podcast. Our diet is hurting the environment in myriad ways. I mean, we desperately need to eat more seafood. This is a pioneering industry with a whole lot of people who have really good ideas and a lot of experience and are unafraid. Aquademia is your go-to podcast for a fresh take on all things seafood. So we're sitting down today with Matt Grolnick and Steve Martz from Atlantic Capes. How's it going, guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. I'm here with myself, Justin, and uh, Aquademia fan favorite, Elise Avalon. Maddie was not able to come with us, but we actually traveled down to Atlantic Capes, down to Massachusetts, to do some filming because Atlantic Capes is actually the first company to have the, their full supply chain certified to BSP in the world. So that's pretty exciting. So we're doing some video with them and doing a lot of, a lot of stuff, touring some of their vessels and touring their facilities and stuff. So it's pretty cool. But we're here to talk about that, why they chose to do it and uh, kind of what the process was like and all that. But first, before we do that, Matt and Steve, I want to get a little background on you guys, how you got to where you are, because everybody has an interesting story of how they got into seafood. So um, who wants to go first? I guess. I'll go. Uh, okay. I'm Matt Grolnick. I'm the Director of Quality Assurance for Atlantic Capes Fisheries. I've been here now 10 years or so. I've been in the seafood industry since 2000, um, started off fishing and sort of made my way to where I am now. I'm Steve Martz. I'm the Environmental Compliance Coordinator for Atlantic Capes Fisheries. I've been in this position for about a year in the fishing industry for about two and a half. I have a background in, in IT for 20 some years, took a break and somehow landed in the fishing industry and fell in love with it. And you still live down in Maryland, but you. Yes. Yeah. There, I so. live in, live in Maryland and I run up and down the coast. Right. So let's talk about Atlantic Capes. How does it work? So you guys do processing of product from mainly wild caught fishery and right. you also do some trading of aquaculture stuff. Is that. We, we do, we process aquaculture process. as well. Okay. You know, so, go so let's talk about the process, how it all works. What's your fleet like? How many boats, all that? Where do they go? Where do they come from? What species are you primarily fishing for? And then like walk us through the whole supply chain process. Okay. If you don't mind. So we have 26 vessels in our fleet. We also contract to numerous others. Our boats fish North Atlantic, Mid-Atlantic for scallops and surf clams. They... Fish and offload at a, at many different ports up and down the coast based on where the open areas are. Offload and they bring them here and we uh, we process them. And then from here, where do they go? Do you 
ship it out to distributors or do you, how, how does it? So get we, out of here? we're a private label. So we, uh, primarily private label. So we, uh, we have a, a strong retail presence. We do some food service, uh, and we do some of our own branding. Okay. Cool. How did the company get started? Because it, it, it's been around for a long time, right? Yes, 1984. So how did it, it start as a small family business and then just kind of like grew over time? It started out as a, I believe, and you can fact check later, but uh, it started out uh, with Danny Cohen, uh, our founder, who uh, took over a, a surf clam fleet from his father, I believe, and turned it into what it is now. He's since passed away a few years ago mm. and we're just carrying on. So we have said this before. We don't have a lot of wild caught fisheries content on our podcast because we were in the aquaculture world, so deep in the aquaculture world for so long. And that's where all of our contacts are. So we're, we're just starting to get more and more wild caught fisheries stuff. And so, Steve, I'm really interested in getting your perspective on working here because you do a lot of work with the actual guys on the boats. Correct. And uh, you're out there, you going down on the docks and like getting on their boats and, and um, they know you. And apparently from some of the stories you shared with us yesterday, which I hope you'll share again, <laughs> um, you know, it, sometimes it's not always the most comfortable no, <laughs> scenarios. No. And so can you, can you talk a little bit about kind of what it's like working with the fishermen and like, how did they get joined by your fleet? Did you hire them? Did they, were they part of some other collective that came in? Like, how did they get to you guys? And then what's it like kind of working with them on a weekly basis? So uh, our captains and crew are contracted um, to run our vessels. For the most part, they're actually a pleasure to work with. Um, they take their <laughs> you jobs. You surprised. <laughs> they're boat captains. Um, they they kind of have this pre-existing stigma about them that everyone thinks they're these, you know, yeah. horrible, mean, you know, <laughs> drill sergeant types. Uh, they're out there, but a majority of ours, they take their job very seriously. They believe in our mission, which is to provide a good product, to take care of the product from the catch to the dock, to protect the environment in the process, to protect, to protect the, the lives on board. You know, they're like all fishermen. A lot of them don't like regulations. <laughs> uh, it's just, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's part of the industry, but they have adapted very well to a lot of the, the new standards that we've set. And some of the standards we've had to set as a result of of the BSP and RFBS standards. So um, no, it's 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 going well. Yeah, and we'll get into some of the changes that you guys had to make and and uh, to meet those standards. But um, yesterday, Steve brought us out on one of the boats and gave us a little tour, and we took some video and some photos and stuff. And um, you you were implying that there's kind of like some ways that you can talk to the fishermen uh, and the boat captains and stuff about kind of these changes that are coming up and kind of helping them kind of realize why it's important and, and why it's beneficial. Can you kind of talk in, in case anyone that's listening uh, is having some, some trouble working with, you know, their fleets or their captains um, convincing them to do things a little differently, make changes. So the um, fishing as a whole is, is changing. The future of fishing is going to entail a lot of environmental regulation, stricter safety regulations, that they haven't had to deal with before. So a lot of the captains, they're initially are kind of apprehensive because it's a lot more, more weight to carry on their shoulders and they already carry a lot. Mm -hmm. um, what are some of the things of the, that, that they're 
kind of pushing back against or that they have pushed back. It's against. the paperwork side of it. <laughs> they don't like to do paperwork. They want to go out and they want to fish and, and they want to come home. But of course, with all regulations and, and government oversight, there's a lot of a lot of paperwork involved. But one of the things that I, I explained to them is that we're we're ahead of the curve. We always try and stay ahead of the curve. And with new regulations that will come down the pipe eventually, we will already be doing these things. We'll already have them in place. Our captains and crews will already be trained. Our vessels will already be compliant. So when these changes happen and other companies are affected by it and have to play catch up and can't get out and fish because of it, we can. Our guys can go out and make money, make a living, do what they want to do and what they love to do. And that was enough. And that's enough. That's enough. Yeah, I guess if things are going to be inevitable over time, it's better to prepare early. Like you said, Correct. I think you, you gave a visual of, and I think you just spoke to it, where there could be a time where your fleet gets to go out and other fleets are not going to be able to because Correct. they have, have catch up to do. So so when it came down to, and we, you talked about this a little bit when we filmed you yesterday, but um, actually implementing the standards and, and everything that you need to meet those standards for RFES. What were some of the biggest challenges? What are the challenges that they're still kind of dealing with? And uh, what changes did you... I mean, you said it, it wasn't easy. This is a rigorous standard. Yeah, it right? is. It's, it's and very so, rigorous. Um, you know, what are some of the things that other companies may want to think about if they're looking towards RFES certification? And when Sean mentions RFES, it's the Responsible Fishing Vessel Standard for yeah. our listeners who don't know what that is. Since the seafood world is full of acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Spell them out sometimes. Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest challenge, it's funny because I got to think about it a little bit last night compared to what I talked about yesterday. Oh, good. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I wanted to change my answer on that one. The, the biggest challenge was the logistics of getting to every vessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started this right at the, the start of the scallop season. So our boats were all heading out at the time. <laughs> so I'm chasing boats up and down the coast as they were coming in um, just to, to go through them and and verify that that we were how compliant we were to begin with and in implementing those changes on the fly Mm -hmm. so i had to basically matt and i met and we went through what the standards were what we already had in place and what we needed to change so i prepared everything ahead of time and as i caught a boat hit it from top to bottom yeah. <laughs> and then caught the yeah. next one, top to bottom, next one, and then eventually made it through the fleet. And you did it with the whole, all the, all the boats, Yes, right? Because yes, the, the auditors fleet. come, when an auditor comes to check your boats, they're checking 25% of your fleet. Is Square that, root plus one. Square root plus one. Yeah. yeah. Justin, you said you were never going to use any of that. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. <laughs> you, you were just talking about yeah, that. Yeah, I sure was. So you guys, so the auditors checked five of your boats, right? Correct. Okay. And so, but you had to make sure you didn't know which boats those were going to be. Correct. Right? So, so, and it just makes sense just to do the entire well, fleet. You might as well. Yeah. yeah. You got to yeah. do things right. Yeah. Right. That's really what exactly. it comes down to. Exactly. And uh, what was it like on the processing side? You had a little more connection with that, right? Matt? Yeah. I'm, I'm the. Your QC. So. Right. So uh, what was it like kind of looking at the standards for the seafood processing standard and making sure that like, what changes did you have to make to make to meet those standards in the processing side? So we didn't have to make as many changes as you would because we were already a GFSI company. We were using right. a different standard. Beneficial changes were a significant reduction in non-value standard implementation. What do you mean by that? Can you? I think... Uh, because we're a seafood company, the seafood processing standard is is more aligned with what we do. Right. 
as opposed to some of the other existing standards that are that are more homogenized to satisfy multiple categories. Gotcha. And so I'm not going to ask you what standard you were using before, but it was for food production as a whole, right? Not yes. just and right. not even just protein, like all food right. production. Correct. Okay. So that's that's kind of why that you ran into some of those standards that don't really apply to you. Right. It makes sense. I want to hear from Matt about because Matt, you were the person at Atlantic Capes that really was the advocate for going through this whole certification process and congratulations, first of all, Thank on you. becoming the first company ever to have their vessel certified to RFBS, their processing plant to SPS, and sorry for all the acronyms again, <laughs> and also be connected to certified fishery. So that's awesome. But I want to hear from you about why you wanted to go through this process and you know be a pioneer in that way. So the easy answer is because I believe in it. I believe that we should be good environmental stewards. We should be sourcing sustainable seafood. We should be treating our people right. And we should be putting out good, safe Responsible. Product. Right. We should be, right. That's, that's what we should do. Yeah. The reasons for BSP are, are more selfish or self-serving in that my big motivation years ago when I started with GSA was the idea that there would be a single certification that encompassed everything as opposed to having a five different a social certification, a social certification an environmental, environmental social, yeah. right exactly and the idea that that this would ultimately be a one-stop shop for world-class certification is is uh, appealing how long did it take you from the moment that you like decided all right this is what i think we should do how long did it kind of take you to get to that point where you're now certified do you think if you could guess under bsp yeah uh, I I think we started the process towards the end of 2018, and you just became certified. We were we were certified under under SPS yeah. long before that, right? And we were certified under Sustainable Fisheries long before that, right? Yeah, but yeah. So this is our we've been cert. This is our third year of certification under SPS, and our first year under BSP. Have you noticed a difference in those three years in business output? You know, have you been more successful in your actual? business dealings because of it? Or have you not noticed, is it, has it not been long enough to really notice too much of a difference? I don't think it's been long enough for that. Yeah. We are definitely better operationally Yeah, uh, because of it. I don't think we, I don't think we've realized the benefits of it financially. Yeah. Yeah. I was just curious how long before you start seeing those. Well, and also BSP is such a new right. <clears throat> program. That's, I mean, yeah. we just launched it, you know, last year. So a lot of that work, you know, in talking to the marketplace is, is happening. And at least actually, can you talk a little bit about what makes it different? Because we did have the seafood processing or the processing plant standard, BAP standard. Mm -hmm. What is the difference between that and SPS? Because that's, that's new too, right? The seafood processing standard. So, so people might not realize that. <clears throat> yeah. Not so just for some background, the seafood processing standard has always been a part of the best aquaculture practices program, which has been around for more than 20 years now. And, and it was called the BAP plant standard. Yeah. yeah. And that was really, I think, the first standard that the program started with was the plant standard. And what happened was our standards oversight committee changed the standard and modified it so that it could be suitable for wild, for plants that also process you know, wild caught seafood, which so many plants do both. So right. it, it just makes sense. And they probably needed like multiple certifications, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that was, you know, part of our goal is to eliminate some of that for these processors that are going through multiple certifications and, you know, twice the cost, twice the time involved. So that was, you know, one of the goals with 
making that standard applicable to wild-caught seafood. And then SBS, no, that's SBS. I'm getting my acronyms mixed. <laughs> there are so many. BSP. So. <laughs> um, yes. How does BSP differ from BAP? Yes. So as I said, uh, BSP, or Best Seafood Practices, <laughs> was launched last year. And so what we have as part of that program is the seafood processing standard. And then we also have the responsible fishing vessel standard. So those are the two standards that we own. And then the way that it works is that we can then also, you know, acknowledge that companies who are connected to certified fisheries that can be part of the program too. Like Atlantic Capes. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Great. Thanks. I just figured that there's probably some listeners who are hearing us throw these acronyms around and talking about different standards and they might get confused that there's it's, been different It's ones. very complex. It's, it's changed, not, and they've changed over the it's years. It's not the easiest yeah. thing to understand. So, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the the Standards Oversight Committee meets twice a year. Yep. And yep. Uh, so the standards are always changing. They're always evolving. And sometimes they're coming up with new ones where, where we have a seaweed standard that's in public comment right now. So there's, there's they're going to hear a lot of stuff about seaweed in the near future because <laughs> we have a lot of seaweed connections uh, after going to a seaweed conference. A couple of weeks ago, but um, yeah, there's a lot of different standards out there. And I think as long as, and, and, and I don't want this to sound like it's like an ad for BAP or BSP, right? That's what we know because that's our company. But I think at Aquademia, we are really pushing, like what you were saying, Matt, like just as long, as long as you're buying product that is certified to something, right? Certified responsible, then that's what we want people to, to do. Yeah. And I think the end consumer, I mean, there are so many certifications out there now and people just want to know that their food was produced responsibly and that's it. And they don't want to have to think about, oh, should I buy this fish from this country or should I, do I avoid this species? Mm -hmm. Or it, there's just so much information out there being thrown at consumers about seafood. And it's not like on other industries because there's so many species, you know? So I think just trying to simplify that and having people just be able to look at a package and go, okay, that's, you know, certifications on there. I know it's it was produced responsibly. Yeah, I wonder. I, I, wondering, like, what we could do to start shifting consumers' mindset away from country of origin and more towards just practice, like responsible practices, right? Exactly. Like how it's produced, as opposed to where it's produced. Do you have any ideas on like? Does anyone have any ideas on how we could start doing that? Like, we just started talking to consumers recently at at GSA. Yes. This is new for us and it's something that we've wanted to do for a long time, but it's a really, it's a huge, huge challenge. And I know that that's a shift that needs to be made. So does anyone have any ideas on what steps we could take to start changing people's minds? That's a, it's a very big challenge. Um, it's the big challenge. But, but right? I think, I think today's consumer is more socially conscious than in years past. So, you know, the, these certifications will definitely help with that as far as getting to shift the population as a whole that's yeah that's where your challenge lies yeah and it's on you Elise. so awesome <laughs> thanks sean <laughs> well and that's and that's our that's our hope yeah you know that, that it is educated consumers will seek out products from responsible companies mm -hmm. and buy them yeah we, we talked about this in the very first episode um it all comes down to the consumers and they're voting with their wallets on what they want and if they're not buying the products that are responsibly sourced, then those aren't going to be around forever, you know? And that's, so we need to educate them on what's right. And, and I, I really get 
it, it gets me fired up when I'm talking to someone and they're like, oh, I'm never buy that. That's, that's from wherever. And I'm like, why, why does it matter where it's coming from? It matters how they did it. Right. And that's that's just such a, a, a challenge that the whole industry has to face. I talked, Steve, with you a little bit yesterday, too. What are about challenges more specific to the fishery side of things? And you mostly work with people here going out in and out of New England. So from what you've seen, what are the biggest like tangible challenges that these fishermen are dealing with on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis? And what are some things that we could do to address those challenges, do you think? It's a really good question. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, they deal with a lot of challenges. Um, I guess it's so spending a majority of my life and career outside of the fishing industry. I can say that I know of, of a lot of people, I don't know if the general public or a large portion of it feels this way, but I, I know commercial fishing's kind of had a black eye mm-hmm. um, for a long time. You know, people look at it as a, a rough industry, uh, uh, it could be a dirty industry. So a, a lot of the guys carry that on their backs when they go out. We've been working very hard to change that. Um, and we feel we've made a some great strides and especially working with you guys um you know it proves that we're changing that but there's there's you know time away from home away from family mm-hmm. um it's hard work it's dangerous work very dangerous work so they 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 face a lot of challenges so it's kind of hard to <laughs> pick pick one in my mind they're all bad <laughs> they're all they're all tough so it, it's hard to pick one specific what are some things that some steps that are being taken to make things easier for them um, well, we, we try and do shorter trips. Yeah. Um, do you have regulations around that within your fleet? Like how long can they, are they limited to a certain amount of time? The, they can be they're out? not necessarily limited. There's no hard line. Yeah. Um, but, but for the most part, our boats don't exceed a five, six day trip. Mm-hmm. There's no need to, in any event that there is, they will get to a point where they will get called in because mm-hmm. they've been out. I mean, and eventually they, they need fuel. Yeah, I mean that's right. that's yeah, it. They can't stay out there forever, <laughs> I mean, eventually right? you're going to run out of fuel, <laughs> so you have to come in. Um, but the we try and get uh, more creature comforts on board, so the guys. I mean, when you're away from home and you're working hard hours, when you do get that break time, you know, I mean, most most of the guys want to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, <I> <laughs> understandably, <laughs> but you know, it's just small creature comforts, TV. You know, just just being able to have a decent meal on board. Yeah. So we make sure that you know any dietary needs that any crew member has any specific needs, they're all met. So when you were doing the RFES, were any, a lot of the um, clauses around the social responsibility aspect of it probably were met because you have been implementing these things already, right? Yes, some were, yes. Um, One of the the things that actually went unnoticed that that I hadn't picked up on until I went through the, the audit was the need for bilingual signage on board the vessel. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do have some some bilingual crew members, and a lot of them really appreciated it. As I was going around and, and posting some of the signage, they were they were real happy to see it. Yeah, nice. <laughs> um, so then it was, it's just a little thing like that that you know we just never thought of it, but this audit brought it to light. So it was and living and it in was America, appreciated. living in America as a by uh, someone who's not speaking English primarily, that's something that they probably didn't even really realize either because that's what they face that everywhere they go. Right. Exactly. And so when you supply that to them, that's a real nice, it was, nice they, they really appreciate it. Yeah, I was it's really showing your appreciation how happy for they them. Were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And those are the things that you don't think about. They're little yeah. things and you don't think about them, you know, yeah. until, until they're, 
when they when you finally bring them to fruition and it makes it totally changes somebody's outlook on their their job their life their you know if, if that little thing makes that guy a little happier when he's yeah. out there then uh, i did my job right and seeing yeah. that you start thinking about okay well what else can we do right to right to correct keep that energy going right and yep. keep them happy and uh, yeah it definitely gets the gears turning as to well, what else can i do yeah <laughs> right yeah do you have any ideas that you want to share uh not off the top of my head no. right now. <laughs> <laughs> well we've been talking for a little bit before we get into how to contact you guys and everything like that what else what else do you guys want to get out there you have a microphone now you have a platform what do you want the people to hear i mean most of our audience is within the industry but what uh, you know what do you what message do you want to send from atlantic capes buy our stuff <laughs> I was t- <laughs> buy our stuff. Uh, we put a lot of work into. We're number one. <laughs> yeah. We put a lot of work into into uh, into doing things the right way, and uh, you know we do that with the hopes that we are a more appealing company to buy from than someone else. Yeah, and I think it, I mean it is something to be said for having being the first in the world to have your entire supply chain certified. I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. Supply chains are really hard. <laughs> They're really <laughs> hard to keep track of. I mean, traceability and supply chain transparency is one of the biggest topics of conversation in the industry right now. And it has been for a long time and it's probably going to continue to be to have such a tight hold on your supply chain that you can get the entire supply chain certified is, is, is impressive. And I commend you guys for it. So thank you. Thank you. Well thank done. You. Um, Justin, do you have anything else? Yeah, I was just going to ask, what's next for Atlantic Capes? You've had a lot of changes over the last few years, definitely for the for the better, and I think we've discussed that. But what's what's next? What's on the horizon? I don't know that I'm allowed to speak to that <laughs> seriously. <laughs> no, from a BSP standard, uh, I'm sorry. From a BSP standpoint, it's one thing to be audit ready and certified. Mm-hmm. It, then the, then the real work begins and you, you continuously improve and, and, mm. and solidify all these new changes. Correct. So they become the standard. Right. So that's what we're looking ahead to now in, in this little tight group. Yeah. And to stay number one. Yeah. <laughs> we're well, number no, one. We gotta I, stay I really appreciate um, that you guys were able to, were willing to come on and let us film and let us do this podcast because, you know, I think there's some scenarios where people would be keeping their secrets and not really wanting to talk about it. But I think you, you guys have a good understanding that this is, this is what's best for everyone. And, and more and more people need to be doing this because, you know, rising tide, as they say. So, uh, you know, we got to um, get as many people on board with this. And I think you guys are doing a great job in kind of putting yourselves out there and, and representing the industry as a whole. You know? The bottom line is it's, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah. So why not? And I, I think that's, that's the the way to look at it you know don't you not not from a financial point of view but just the right thing to do the right thing to do yeah that's what it comes down to um and one last thing that i wanted to get you to talk about so yesterday when we were filming actually was it after we were filming or when we were talking about wild versus farmed right which i hate using that term because the versus is just a horrible thing but um i don't remember who we were interviewing that was talking about it but um one of you guys said you were talking about how that competition and the whole competitive spirit is just not a thing anymore it was a long time ago but it's not and that's something that we talk about how we're in it that bubble that we work in that competition is not there like we don't witness that every time we talk to someone on the fishery side or on the aquaculture side they say we don't we don't care we understand that everyone needs all of it and um can you just talk to that a little bit kind of what your perspective is on that whole wild and farmed and you know differences and similarities and 
in my opinion, it's outside of our bubble. It's just a consumer. It's it's coming from uneducated consumers who don't understand how it all works, right? So what's your take on, on that whole conversation? No, I agree. I think you were talking to Jim about that yesterday. Yeah. I think he was the one, he was that, the one that said that, yeah. You know, but there was there was a, going back a few years, there was definitely a, a belief that one is better than the other mm-hmm. and both sides had valid reasons for why one was better than the other. Right. Um, I think that, I think that they have sort of melded together now. There are a lot more places that are producing wild and aquaculture mm-hmm. products or, or, or selling, uh, wild and aquaculture products. And I think that the, I think the mystery of aquaculture has faded a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it, nobody was sure how it worked or what it was yeah. or how it was done. And, and, uh, I went to school for aquaculture yep. and I didn't know what it was until my first day of class. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. It's I'm no not joking. No, it's no, it's no mystery. Meant. I mean, it's uh, it's not aquaculture. I don't know what the right. Well, it's farming, but I mean, right. every other every other thing we buy or source in in the grocery store or whatever, it's farmed. Is farmed, you know, um, or made in a factory warehouse well, <laughs> or right. a lab, right? <laughs> so it's uh, it isn't out of bounds for seafood to be in that same arena. Yeah, that's a really good way to put it, right? Like. Everything else we eat is farmed. Why would seafood not be farmed too? Why is that the one thing that people are stuck on, right? Interesting. Do you want to do uh, – I feel like I've monopolized the whole conversation if you guys have anything That's right. I mean you have the very special microphones. So we're all I do have a special microphone you. today. <laughs> My Bob Barker microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Spin that wheel, folks. Uh, if any of our listeners want to learn more or contact Atlanta Capes, what's the best way for them to do that? We have a general uh, email that they can use. It's – Info at AtlanticCapes.com. Perfect. And they can find that on the website. Yep. Right. And we'll, we'll link to that in our show notes. Excellent. Yeah, for sure. So before we wrap up, again, any any last words that you guys want to say before we close out? No. <laughs> no. Educate your, uh, educate the consumers Educate, the, yeah, yeah. All right. Good. Good. <laughs> well, you two just did your part because you oh, just <laughs> uh, educated them. All of our global listeners are uh, hopefully getting this stuck in their brains and telling their friends. Yeah. All right. So Matt, Steve, thank you so much. Thank you for, for inviting nice. us down here yes. to come down to uh, beautiful. Where are we now? We've been to like three different places. <laughs> Fall, River, Fall River, Massachusetts. Yeah, Fall River, Mass. Fall we River, went to New Bedford. We went to uh, Bristol, Rhode Island. So we've been all over the place and we really appreciate you guys showing us around and yep. giving us a taste of, uh, of your world. So thank you it's so much. It's been our pleasure. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Folks, that was our conversation with Matt and Steve from Atlantic Capes. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something, and I hope you're excited to learn more about everything that they do. Please remember to subscribe to Aquademia wherever you listen to get every new episode directly downloaded onto your device as soon as it's available. Follow us on Twitter at AquademiaPod, and if you want to contact us for any reason, fill out our online form located at globalseafood.org podcast. Leave us a rating and review wherever you listen. It really helps us out, and we appreciate everybody that's already done that. And if you like what we do and you want to be more involved, you may want to consider becoming a member of the global seafood alliance all the information on membership is linked in the show notes thank you so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time ciao bye